So hey, appreciate you tuning in online. And for those that are a part of our regular online crew, thanks for sticking with us. We're starting a new series today, and I'm really excited about that because it's uh, a book of the Bible. Uh, we're going through a book of the Bible that I just love because it's so, so practical. But I got a question for you. Very simply, how was your week? Anything difficult happened to you this week or over the last couple of weeks? Anybody? Yeah, we can do an invitation now, have an altar call, right? There's plenty of hands up, right? You know, it was an interesting week for us. There was, uh, uh, as Pastor N.K. already said, Deanna lost an uncle uh, who is now in heaven. So praise God uh, that uh, he's in heaven. Uh, but we also had sickness in our house this week. And uh, we're still battling through some of that. Deanna's homesick today. But on Wednesday, the sickness and things that were going on got bad enough that she ended up spending the day at the ED. Uh, that's the ER for those that aren't in Australia. They're watching online, emergency room, emergency department. And it was a long, miserable, yucky day. I won't tell you what emergency room she was at, but uh, anyway, it was tough. And I, on Wednesday, when all that was going on, I was concerned, but maybe more than concerned, I was actually annoyed because I didn't schedule that. I didn't want that in my life this week because it's a short week already. We had Easter Monday, so that's a one less day to get things done. And then Wednesday, and I'm preoccupied with all of that. So it was an interesting week. And I was asking the big question, why? Maybe you've heard it said like this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Anybody ever ask that question? Now you're probably sitting there thinking, okay, but you're not a good person, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> or maybe you ask this question, is there a purpose to the pain of life? We go through things, sickness, disappointments, job challenges, relationship stuff, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And we grapple with the things that we're going through and ask the question, why? Is there a purpose to it? And then we can make this question really personal. Is there a purpose in my pain? I know many of you are asking that question today. And if you're not asking that question today or you haven't in the last couple of weeks, just wait because your turn is coming because we all go through pain in life. Today, we're gonna answer this question. Is there a purpose in my pain? And for our text, we're going to use a letter written by a guy called James. It's part of our New Testament, and he's writing a, a letter here uh, to help us understand how to live out our faith. He says this at the beginning. He introduces himself. He says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. So who, we need to understand, because we're going to be going through James for quite a few weeks, we need to understand who this guy called James is. And I could tell you all the options that I have, but I'm going to give you the bottom line. James was the half-brother of Jesus, all right? After Jesus was born, he was the firstborn because he was born of a virgin, Mary, uh, before uh, Joseph and her had consummated their, their relationship. And then James was born after Jesus, probably the second child of, uh, uh, of Mary, okay? And can you imagine growing up being the brother of Jesus? 
that would be a lot of pressure. You'd never, ever measure up, right? And what about those times where somebody did something wrong? They broke the clay pot. And mom and dad says, who broke the clay pot? And James will say, Jesus did. <laughs> yeah. And the parents say, okay, who's lying? Right? When James had problems in life, he probably went to mom and dad, Joseph and Mary, and said, hey, what do I do about this? And you know what they would say? What would Jesus do? Yeah. Anybody remember the famous WWJD bracelets, right? Anybody wear those? This is from, from one of my friends uh, that's here today, Brett. He, he loaned me this for an illustration. And I'm not going to wear it, though, because his is WWJD. It's what would Jesus do? And you're meant to look at that, and it's to remind you to behave in life the way Jesus would. I have one of these as well, but it was a knockoff. It was the same letters, WWJD, but it was what would James do, right? Because I thought I could get away with a little bit more that way. And that was really funny, and you should be laughing way more than that. But anyway, thank you. Thank you for that politeness. James, the half-brother of Jesus, didn't always believe that Jesus, his brother, was the Messiah. Now, if you've got a brother, can you imagine your brother claiming to be the Messiah? You can understand why James probably wouldn't believe that his brother was the Messiah. But then uh, in, uh, later on, James came to believe, after the resurrection most likely, he came to believe. And then he was a leader of the early church. Galatians chapter 2 verse 9 said that he and Peter and John were pillars of the early church. They were church leaders. Now James could have introduced himself, let's get that verse back up here. He could have introduced himself as Jesus' brother. He could have said, I am James, Jesus' brother. Or I am James, a leader in the early church, a pillar of the early church. But he didn't do that. He said, this letter's from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine that. He could have, he had these other credentials that he could have used, but he chose to say, I'm a slave. He chose to say, I'm a servant. I submit to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's going to be very important as we go through all the things that James taught or teaches in his letter, because we need to understand James is not an arrogant guy that thinks he's got it all together. He is a simple, humble servant, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the readers that he's writing to were Jewish believers. They were refugees who had been persecuted in Jerusalem after coming to faith, and then they were scattered abroad. So James is writing to Christians. They were Jewish Christians, but they're Christians, and they're all over the place. Now, as we read James' letter, what we're going to discover is that they had some problems in their lives and in their church. And one of the problems that they had was that believers weren't living out their faith. They weren't living the way they professed to live. And I find it interesting as we go through uh, this letter, we're going to see that the problems they had were not that dissimilar to the problems we have in our world today. In our world today, we have suffering, we have hypocrisy, we have discrimination, we have greed, we have pride. Sadly, many times we even have that in churches. And James is writing to help us uncover that so that we can deal with it, so that we understand what it looks like to actually live out our faith. So that's the context 
that James is writing into, and he says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, let's stop right there. James says, when troubles come, not if troubles come, not if pain comes, but when it comes. It's a given. Christians should expect trials to come. And what we need to take away from this and understand about this is, is this, that the presence of pain is predictable. So if you're going through pain right now and you're surprised, don't be. It's predictable. James tells us that you're going to have pain. You're going to have trouble in life. Now, for those that expect the Christian life to be easy, somebody one day told you, hey, if you come to Jesus, it's going to be your ticket and everything's going to be easy after that. Anybody get sold a bill of goods like that when you came to faith? A lot of you did. I know you did. Because that's what we lead with is how great life is with Jesus. And life is great with Jesus, but it's not without problems. So if you thought the Christian life was just going to be easy, then you've got a heap of disappointment to come on your way. Now, some trials come simply because we are human beings. Sickness and accidents, disappointments, and even some things that seem like tragedies happen just because we're human. Because the fall of man messed everything up, and now we get sick, we die, we go through stuff. Other trials come because we are actually following Jesus. Jesus himself said in John 16, that in this world, you will have trouble. And then in John 15, he says, the world hated me and I chose you. So now the world's gonna hate you too. Don't be surprised, this is gonna happen. The presence of pain is predictable. Moses in Hebrews 11 says that he chose pain over pleasure. He chose pain over pleasure. And then going on in Hebrews chapter 11, we see people who were tortured, imprisoned, and even stoned for their faith. The presence of pain is predictable. Timothy, one of Paul's protégés, the apostle Paul said this, yes, and or Paul writing to Timothy said this, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, we need to be a little bit careful because I talk to people sometimes and they'll be going through some hard stuff and they'll say, I'm just suffering for Jesus, right? Anybody relate to that, All right? Well, let's know what Peter says about it sometimes. He says, if you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, for stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. He says, pain's a part of life, and if you're suffering because you're following Jesus, that's a good thing. That's, that's respectable. But if you're doing silly stuff and bringing it on yourself, then you should expect to suffer. You should expect pain. So the kind of pain James is talking about here is the pain that we go through for following Jesus, mostly. And some of it, the human pain and suffering that everybody uh, deals with. It's a part of life. So life is full frustrations and failures. And those frustrations and failures can oftentimes cause us to want to give up because the pain gets too great. We say, I just can't go on. I've got uh, six grandkids and two of them, they're actually here right down the front today, uh, are almost to that stage 
where they're starting to take some steps and start walking, okay? And that's, that's so much fun. As grandpa, I'm actually pushing that. The parents want to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's so funny because when, uh, when the babies start taking those steps, what happens? Step, step, stumble, right? Step, step, stumble, and it goes on and on and on. And, you know, if, if we're not, if we, if we wanted to be silly about this, we could look at that, and after three or four times of step, step, stumble, we could say, okay, they're not good at this, forget it, they're not going to learn to walk, we're going to wrap them in cotton wool to make sure that they don't experience any pain, right? That would just be stupid. Because I know that in just a few short months, these babies are going to be walking all over the place, and mom and dad are going to be chasing them and wishing they hadn't learned to walk so fast. Our faith can be like that. We're going to have difficulties and pain, and sometimes we're going to feel like giving up, like we're step, step, stumble, and... That just hurts too much, and we want to say, hey, is it really worth it to keep trying? For the people James is writing to, the issues, the pain that they were feeling dealt a lot with poverty and persecution. Uh, That would have been their biggest trials, but he has in mind a lot more than that, the regular difficulties that shake our faith, like sickness and death. Whatever the trial is, James says this, okay? He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That solves it all, right? (laughs) What pain are you going through right now? Fill that in. Fill that blank in for you right now. Now, James says, consider that joy. Easy enough? Done? We can go home now? Or anybody find that challenging? The pain that you're dealing with right now, and you need to consider that great joy. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He doesn't say it is joy. He said, you need to look at that pain and the opportunities associated with it. You need to have a good attitude or a proper perspective of pain. We need a proper perspective of pain. He says, consider, that word consider, or in some of your translations, it it may say, count it as an opportunity for joy, is a financial term, count, a financial term that means to evaluate. When we face trials of life, we need to evaluate them in light of what is God doing in this? My wife, uh, Pastor Deanna, uh, is is the world's best at this, and she annoys people with it. Because they'll go through some stuff and she'll always ask, what was God doing in the midst of that? Anybody want to talk to her? Yeah. It's kind of convicting sometimes because we really need to think about that. What is God doing in the middle of this? Warren Wiersbe, a great theologian, said this, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then we're going to be upset by trials. If we value living only for the present, we're going to forget about the future. And the trials will make us bitter rather than better. So how can we consider trouble of any kind an opportunity for great joy? If you're struggling with that and think it doesn't make sense, look what James says here. For you know 
This is how you can consider it great, an opportunity for great joy. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. James says, God wants to use the problems and the pain in your life to grow you, to mature you. He says to let it grow. And he's talking about a process. Growth is a process that we go through. Physically, as we're growing up, it's a process to get bigger and stronger and all of that. James is saying here, the purpose of pain is to perfect. He says you'll be perfect, lacking nothing. You will be mature is what that word actually means. So if you're thinking you're going to be perfect, Jesus was the only one perfect. That's why we ask, what would Jesus do rather than what would James do? But you can be mature. And he uses the pain. God uses the pain to help make us more mature. The idea of that process is our faith being tested. It's like uh, the fire, the refining fire for, for metals and iron and things like that. It's purified and all the bad stuff is removed. So the idea James is expressing here, this isn't, trials aren't to find out if we have faith. Trials are to strengthen the faith that's already present. It's a process. And I like to say it like this. That process does this. When our faith is shaken, it becomes unshakable. That's what we're aiming towards. When you're going through the pain and it's shaking your faith, well, in the end, if you persevere, it's making your faith unshakable. It's growing you stronger. It's drawing you closer to God. Romans chapter 5 says this. We can rejoice in tribulations also, knowing they develop patience, and patience strength of character, and character strengthens hope. See, that process tells us that our outlook on things determines the outcome, and our attitude will determine our actions. See, patience is not a passive thing. Patience is active and courageous perseverance in the face of suffering that helps us to persevere and to push on. So James, again, he understands something here. That the things he's talking about so far, count it all joy, right? We're going to have a proper perspective. It's going to be hard. But he tells us, I know you're going to have trouble understanding this, so I'm going to give you a key here. I'm going to give you a key to understanding. He says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if you've been struggling so far with the whole count it all joy thing, and he's going to use my pain to make me more mature, and you're having trouble understanding that, I have trouble understanding that some days, guys. James says, okay, if you need wisdom to understand that, ask God. Ask our generous God. James says, you may need wisdom. And if you're going to get that, you need to ask God. The prescription for pain is prayer. Prayer. Now, that's not revolutionary. How many of you pray when you go through pain? Even people who do not believe in God will pray when they go through pain. But it's the prayers of Oh, God, fix this. Oh, God, get me out of this situation. And maybe it's even a negotiation prayer. God, if you do this, then I will do that. Anybody got some things in your life that you should be doing because you prayed those prayers and negotiated with God? 
So prayer through pain is not something that's extraordinary. We understand that. But that's not what James is talking about. He's not talking about praying to God and asking for deliverance from pain. He's talking about praying for wisdom in how to cope with the pain, how to process the pain, how to deal with the pain. Praying that God would grow us through the pain. Huge difference. Because there are things that God can only do through suffering and trials in your life. Think about the things you've gone through in your life that have made you who you are today. And some of the things have been hard. But most people, when you go back and you say, would you take away that pain? Most people say, no, because it's made me who I am. It's helped me grow. It's made me stronger. Our pain can make us stronger. James then says this. He says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. James says, don't be schizophrenic about your prayers. If you're asking God, then trust God. Trust God to Carry out what you're asking. Trust God to step in. Trust God to provide that wisdom. You know, often we can be all over the map when we're dealing with pain and we can be unstable. I don't know about you, but he, James talks about the waves. I like the ocean. I love the ocean. Anybody a beach person? Are you beach people or mountain people? Beach people, raise your hands. All right, mountain people, raise your hands. Okay, both, you like both. Yep, there we go, okay. When uh, I like the beach, I like the ocean, I like mountains too, but I like boats. If you go in my office, I've got a few replica boats around for decoration. But I actually don't know that much about boats. And I like the idea of boats better than I actually like boats, okay? Many years ago, probably 20 years ago or more, I was up in uh, Cairns and uh, went out to the Great Barrier Reef on this charter boat and everything. And it was uh, the day before a cyclone was coming, coming in. So we're out there on the boat, and it's choppy, and the waves are going all over the place and everything. And I spent the day literally hurling over the side of the boat most of the day. Yeah, people weren't impressed. They, they could have chummed for, for, for sharks and other fish and things if they wanted to, because it was that bad. Those waves were difficult to deal with. They made me nauseous. I remember other times trying to learn to surf and I only tried one time and I'm not good at that, so I stopped. And yeah, failure and yeah, yeah. You go back to the kids walking if you want. Anyway, and it didn't work. I just got beat up by the surfboard and the waves and all that. James says, your faith, if you're trusting God, but then you're schizophrenic about it, then it's like those waves. And those are gonna make you sick. Those are just gonna torment you and beat you to death. You're unstable if you are like that. Our emotions and our decisions can waver. One minute we trust God, the next minute we are doubting God. We look to God for help, but then we try to fix things ourselves. James says, faith in God during our difficulties will bring stability. Peter says it this way. 
It says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. <laughs> Suffering leads to a firm foundation. See, Peter's not just an academic Bible writer who didn't have practical experience in life. Peter understood going through hard times. He understood difficulties. He understood instability in his own life. One minute, he was ready to die for Jesus, and a few hours later, he denied that he even knew Jesus. He went through suffering because of those things. But he understood that suffering leads to restoration and strengthening. So then James moves on, and he says something else here that, that will seem a little bit strange and almost out of place, all right, as we're wrapping up uh, this segment here today. He says, believers who are poor and have something to boast about, for, have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. See, James, while that seems a little bit out of place and we can start talking about being poor, being rich and everything, what James is saying is that pain and suffering is a great leveler. It doesn't matter if you're poor or if you're rich. If you're poor, there's gonna be benefits and reasons to count it all joy because God's gonna get you through it. If you're rich, then God may hit some of those finances to teach you to trust him. So it's still a good thing, but it's a great leveler. The pain is. What we understand from all of that is this. Pain is not particular or partial to particular people. Pain is not partial to particular people, and that includes you, all right? You and I are not immune, which brings us back to the questions we started with. Why do good things, bad things happen to good people? And is there purpose in my pain? I think we've understood today that there is, but how do we deal with suffering? How do we deal with this in a very practical way? I wanna give you a, a few quick points here that you can take away with you to help you deal with this pain. First of all, we need to accept the presence of pain. I said this morning already, pain is predictable. It's not if, it's when. Knowing that can be a great comfort. If you came into this room today feeling pain, going through a hard time, doing some suffering, and you thought, I'm all alone, it sucks to be me, guess what? You're not alone. It is predictable. It is part of life. So we need to accept the presence of pain. Say, hey, that, that's just a normal part of life. Peter says, dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. It's not strange. It's normal. And then after we accept the presence of pain, we then acknowledge the purpose. We acknowledge the purpose of pain. We consider it all joy because we know there's an outcome that's coming. It's going to grow us. It's going to mature us. And then after we acknowledge the purpose, we allow the process to happen. We don't try to get out of the pain. 
We let God take us through the pain. We don't try to circumvent it and stop short of what God wants to do with us. We pray through the pain, ask God to give us wisdom because our faith is like a muscle. And when you work out a muscle, it gets stronger. When you work out your faith, it gets stronger. And then finally, as you're doing all this, you're accepting the presence of pain, acknowledging the purpose, allowing the process. Appreciate the progress. You are not the same person you were 10 years ago. Are you glad about that? I'm glad about that. And I know you're glad I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And you know what? 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I won't be the same person that I am today. By God's grace, he'll give me some more pain, some suffering, and maybe not even just pain and suffering, maybe just some maturity to help me grow and to become better. Not bitter, but to become better. We need to appreciate the progress. And you know what happens? As, as we're seeing progress in our own lives, as the pain and the suffering is growing us, you know what that enables us to do? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. How good is that? You go through crap. It sucks to be you sometimes. It's hard to live this life. But God uses those things to strengthen us and to grow us. And then we can turn around and we can help other people that are going through the same junk that we've already been through. How good is that? Let me ask you, are you using the junk you've been through to help people? I hope so. Because God says, that's one of the reasons you went through it. is so that you could then turn around and help someone else. Friends, this isn't a feel-good message. I, I know that. But it could be because there are things that God wants to do in your life that can only be developed through pain and suffering, that are not going to be developed by hearing a sermon, even this one, that are not going to be developed by listening to a podcast or reading a book, that can only be developed as you go through the pain and suffering of life. So let God Use the pain to produce patience and character in your life, which will give you a living faith. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for James writing to us and letting us know that the pain that we deal with is normal, that we should expect it. Lord, thank you for your provision in the pain, that you give us wisdom, that you give us a perspective that allows us to deal with it. Lord, thank you for growing us through pain. And Lord, right now, I wanna pray over all the people here in the room and over those that are online that are dealing with some extraordinary pain right now. Lord, I pray that today they would not have heard this it's just a magic formula to make their pain go away. Because, Lord, we understand that life is hard and it doesn't happen that way. Lord, I want to pray for people in their pain that you would give them wisdom, you would give them understanding as the pathway that they need to go through this pain. Lord, I pray that you would uphold them, that you would strengthen them, and you would grow them. And, Lord, help us.
use our pain to help others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.